It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Brennan says the most exciting and most worrisome part of the Reds this year is their flexibility. There's so much talent with players, pitchers that can move positions or jump between starting and the bullpen. So he doesn't expand upon why it's worrisome for him, but I'll tell you why it's worrisome for me, Jeff, because David Bell cannot help himself. He always (laughs) has to be doing something. We've talked many times about him being the guy that's like, what do I do with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands, right? He doesn't, he can't sit still. He can't not fiddle. He can't not try and and right. analytical his way into or out of a situation. So while I like the fact that guys can scoot around and they can use that to create playing opportunities, um, what I don't want to see is guys, with the exception of one time, I want Ellie in all nine positions. I think I'm going to start leading a charge on that. But with the That'd exception of that, I, I don't want to see guys playing three different positions every single game. I don't want to see guys start at second, move to left, come back to third, you know, not quite have a good rhythm for what's going on. Because there is something to settling into a game and creating a rhythm and and getting comfortable. So I don't want to see that. I do like the uh, opportunity to start a guy in right field because you need to get another guy a start and kind of let him cook there for the day. I don't mind that. But I I do worry about David Bell and and his uh, propensity for fiddling. Well, I mean, we've been burnt by this before, right? Like, to his point, you know, we can go back and be like, yeah, Mike Mustakas can play second base. Yeah, hey, Eugenio Suarez can be a shortstop again. You know, different things like this. What we said about different players moving out of position and, and being okay, and it kind of feels like we're moving that way with Jonathan India, where we're just like, yeah, we're going to put him in right field. Sure. Now, look, if it works, then we're going to feel amazing about that. Because then the the stated need of a right-handed platoon outfielder for the offseason is covered by a guy you already have. But it just feels like there are glaring holes in his game that it's probably not going to work out the way that we hope it will. And that is where the flexibility is definitely a concern. Because I feel like there are some guys that that are better suited to be super utility guys than other players. Other players, it feels like they need their position. They need to know what position they're playing on a daily basis to ask all 13 position players on your major league roster to be completely flexible. And they're not going to ask that of Tyler Stevenson. We saw how that worked last year. They're not going to ask that of Luke Maley. They're probably not going to ask that of TJ Friedel. He's going to play center field. But everybody else, it feels like, is going to play multiple positions. And so it's going to be interesting how that affects the day-to-day movements of this team. Mr. E asks an interesting question. Uh, buy, sell, or hold on Graham Ashcraft finishing the season with the lowest ERA amongst the starting pitching. And he puts some qualifiers there, but let's just say the regular starting five rotation. Graham Ashcraft has the best ERA on the team. Buy, sell, hold. Buy, sell, hold. I think, I don't think it depends on him. I think he's probably the most steadying force on this pitching staff. Uh, we saw it last year. He was... He was the guy that had the most six and seven inning starts on the team by a wide margin. Uh, he pitched the most innings on this team. 
So I could definitely see him having a very solid ERA, but there are some guys that have crazy high ceilings. I mean, Andrew Abbott has a very high ceiling. Frankie Montas has a very high ceiling. It's just how do they work within their range of outcomes? I think I hold that. I don't think I sell it. I definitely don't buy it. I think I hold that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Graham Ashcraft will lead the team in starts amongst starting pitchers. I think he'll lead the team in innings pitched amongst starting pitchers. Uh, I do not think he'll lead an ERA. I think there will be somebody, at least one, probably more, that have a few less starts but have a better ERA. I, I think that's where that'll land. Uh, I, I think workhorse of the rotation is is the label that Graham Ashcraft gets. You know, he's not the ace. He's not the guy that that's going to get all of the headlines and and Sports Center material and and be on you know all what of we're going to uh, get out of him. Yeah. MLB Network interviews. You're not going to see Graham Ashcraft there. You're going to see Hunter Green. You're going to see Nick Lodolo. You may see Frankie Montas now, depending on how he pitches. Uh, but you won't see Graham Ashcraft. But he'll be the workhorse of this rotation, I think, hands down. You can go back to 2020 and 2021 with Wade Miley. You knew exactly what you were getting from Wade Miley. It was, And, and yeah, he did have the no-hitter. But for the most part, he was a pretty solid. You knew exactly what to expect out of him. You're getting six. You're getting seven. There might be two or three runs on the board for the other team. Maybe if things go super wrong, he gives up four or five, but he's going to give you six or seven innings. That's exactly who Graham Ashcraft is. Grant asks, is was Hunter Green prioritizing strikeouts too much and trying to miss bats? Is the solution forcing him to focus on ground balls and soft contact instead of absolute gas and strikeouts? I think the problem is that he doesn't have a changeup. And so he has to try and throw it by him because he can't fool him with timing. I, I, that's my opinion. I, I, if he develops a better changeup, I, I think he can lay off the fastball a little bit. I think that, I mean, there, there's a premium on strikeouts. If you're a guy that can get a lot of strikeouts, you're going to get money and you're going to keep your job a lot longer than a guy who has to rely on soft contact and doesn't necessarily and isn't necessarily consistent with that. So I could see there being a trepidation toward, you know, becoming that guy who no longer focuses on missing bats. He focuses on missing barrels, you know, like like what we've heard from Brent Suter and some other guys. But I, I do think that there is an element of pitching that you have to not focus on missing bats with every single pitch. You have to be like, look, they're probably understanding that this pitch is coming, but they're not going to be able to square it up. They're not going to be able to barrel it. That was something that, you know, we hear some of the all-time great pitchers say. Like, Greg Maddox always said that. He's like, you know exactly what I'm going to throw it. You're just not going to hit it. And, and I think that there's an element of that that Hunter Green needs to learn. But there's an element of that that every single pitcher in Major League Baseball needs to learn. So that's not anything new for Hunter Green and groundbreaking. Real quick, Jeff, and I know that we kind of decided we're not going to get into this, but I just want to kind of say for everybody that's talking about it right now, Jeff and I have decided that we're not going down the Trevor Bauer rabbit hole guys. Um, Nick crawl has told us directly. The reds are not signing him. So I'm not going to take airtime to the pros and cons of signing Trevor Bauer. Uh, if he does sign somewhere, uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit. If, if Nick crawl changes his mind, we'll talk about it. Uh, if Trevor Bauer signs in the division, We'll talk about it. But right now, he has zero offers. That comes from him. Uh, he's he's lobbying hard to get a deal somewhere. And if something happens, we'll talk about it. But I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because Nick Crawl has looked directly into the camera and said, no, we are not going to sign Trevor Bauer. So that's kind of where that is with the Reds. 
Yeah, that, that's the fact from the Reds' angle. From Trevor Bauer's angle, the fact is he has said, I will take a minimum deal with, that's loaded with incentives based on my performance and I will earn it. And there, that's there's something admirable about that for sure. But really, until he signs anywhere, I don't think it's worth worth really going into and analyzing because sure he's done it in the past and for those of us reds fans we know exactly how good that was and we would love to see it again but he is another guy that would come in if the reds would sign him he is not a proven commodity he is a question mark so when he signs somewhere then it'll be worth really analyzing but as of right now you're talking about a dude coming over from japan that hasn't pitched in the major leagues in in a while so I, I just don't I don't want to get too far into that because I don't think that there's a lot of I mean, he could sign somewhere tomorrow. He could be on the free agent list all year like Major League Baseball might have blackballed him. And whatever your feelings are on that, that's just what has happened. That's not does he deserve it or not. That's just kind of what it looks like. Justin checks in and says he has high hopes for Abbott this year and Ashcraft. We've talked about Ashcraft. We haven't talked a whole lot about Andrew Abbott. Uh, at least in the last couple of weeks, Jeff, for me, Andrew Abbott, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I want to believe though, that that was the guy that he's going to be that, that mm-hmm. first, that first two months, you know, sub three ERA ACE kind of guy. I hope that he can be that guy. If he is, as long as he's somewhere between that guy and where he finished the season, where I think his arm was clearly done for the year while he was healthy, uh, he was exhausted. And it showed in the numbers. It showed in the results. Uh, if he's somewhere between those two guys, I'm happy with that. I think he's better than that, though, Jeff. I think while he may not be the ace of the team, he could be that next guy in line. Yeah, the only thing that gives me pause, and we've talked about this, is like he gave up a lot of decent quality of contact, and he didn't keep the ball on the ground very much. If he can improve that, we're probably talking about a dude who all season long pitches in the threes as far as ERA is concerned. I he's got so much talent, and just hearing him talk after every single start, you know that he's got a great mind for this, and he's always thinking about it. He's always trying to improve. He's always working on different areas of his game. So I definitely think that he has got a just a mountain of potential. Uh, I I do need to see it though because that is that's probably a guy that not even just computer systems, but national guys are looking at and going, hmm, wonder if he regresses. Slick checks in with this. He says, don't you think holding India till the all-star break is smart? Waiting till the all-star break until somebody really needs a middle infielder could be worth more in trade value. Uh, back to the Reds. Um, listen, I I like having Jonathan India on this team if they use him correctly. And using him correctly is not taking at-bats away from Matt McClain to give them to Jonathan India. It's not taking at-bats away from Ellie De La Cruz to give them to Jonathan India. It's not taking at-bats away from CES or Noel V. Marte. But if you can find spots for Jonathan India, if he can play a serviceable right field, as an example, you can use him out there some in the absence of a right-handed power-hitting outfielder. Uh, switches later in games, guys off days that they would be sitting anyway, you can use Jonathan India. And if he is successful in those roles, if he performs well with the at-bats that he is given, then yes, I think he becomes valuable towards the all-star break where you can flip him for something, get him more playing time, uh, and kind of end this controversy finally in Cincinnati. Uh, I think the problem all along is the Reds have wanted to trade Jonathan India. They've said as much. The problem has been that they value Jonathan India higher right now than the rest of Major League Baseball. 
So they're not getting what they want in return. And credit to Nick Craw for not taking something he doesn't believe is fair value uh, just to get a guy gone. I think India can help this team. And I think having him here is a luxury that a lot of teams don't have because somebody's going to get nicked and, and tweak a thing and pull a something. And we're going to need to sit them down for 10 days, 15 days. And I'm okay then with Jonathan India sliding in there and taking those spots. So I think he's a really valuable insurance policy right now. Uh, and, and as long as David Bell doesn't muck it up, uh, it'll be good having him around. Yeah, it's, it's just nice to know that if there's a guy who's got a hole in his bat and he needs to take a day off, you're not replacing him with Kevin Newman, you're replacing him with Jonathan India. You feel a lot better about that because he can be he can be a super utility in the and not necessarily in the we feel good about him defensively way, but he can fill in just about anywhere on the infield. Maybe not shortstop, um, but you feel all right with that. I I, I think that while he is here, we're going to get a lot more value of him than if they just traded him for whatever they could get right now. Because as much as we talked about, you know, the, the whole Jorge Polanco to Seattle deal, could the Reds have gotten that for Jonathan India? The fact is they didn't, and, and, and they n- didn't necessarily have that call with Jerry DePoto from the Mariners, and that was the offer that they were dealing with. It's possible that all that they are receiving in return are just minor league prospects that are projects as far more so than top, top guys. So I, I think that Nick crawl is good to hold on to him. If that's all that he's receiving. Mike checks in with this. Mike Graham says, I don't mind where they play on defense because I don't think that matters as much as messing with the lineup. And I think I agree with this. Um, Jeff, you and I have demonstrated that it is possible to fiddle with all these defensive positions and alignments and really not change one through seven in the batting order that you can have the one through seven be the same pretty much every day and they can play different positions and you can still get everybody in. I hope that's the direction David Bell goes because I think, I think that Mike is correct in that it's more important for them to be comfortable in the batter's box than in the field. That being said, I don't want to run the defensive metrics off of the chart. I don't want them to like, yeah. I don't want them to screw with it too much. I, I do want guys to have the opportunity to settle in and get comfortable and, and play a position well. But, but if I have to choose David Bell, can't David Bell can't mess with one of the things it's the lineup. Let's set the lineup and leave it alone and, and, and let it run. Yeah. I, I just really think that there is a balance and yeah, you're right. You cannot let it get too low. You can't pay You can't play positionless baseball and put a bunch of first basemen out there, but you also do need to consider how you're scoring those runs. I think that for the most part, they're going to be all right defensively. I think that it's not necessarily splitting hairs, but you're squinting a little bit, like looking at what Jonathan India could be in right field. The only thing, and we haven't really discussed this, and this is kind of a just keep an eye on this. There's not a whole lot of analytics to dive into it with. There are some games where it feels like Jonathan India really tried to do too much with a certain play. Like maybe he tried to turn a double play that wasn't there. He tried to make a throw that it just wasn't ever going to work, and then it turned into an error and an extra base. That would get magnified if he tries to do that in right field. So he's really got to tone that down and turn down because he does have an air of, you know, Superman about him that he believes that he can really turn the game on its head with a certain play. He's got to know that if he is going to be taking time in right field, he's got to hit the cutoff man because he's not going to throw it to home on one hop. It's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, let me see if you want to talk about this guy, uh, Ginger, in the in the comment. Go, go ahead, Jeff. It'll be a long time before we see Ichiro Kano Hernandez, but I love that signing. Like, it's an S tier name, Ichiro Kano Hernandez. And by the way, as as fun as it's going to be, he's only eighteen years old. He's got a long way to go before we know anything about his professional baseball aspirations and things like that. But he does come highly touted for an eighteen year old player. But I love the hilariousness that is a, 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 a guy who is clearly named to be a Seattle Mariner and he's not a Seattle Mariner. <laughs> like what, what part of that name yet. didn't scream already been on the phone? Like is, is, is Jerry already <laughs> been on the phone to Nick going, Hey, listen, dude, you got to trade us that guy. Like, like, I feel like his parents must've been like Mariner season ticket holders for the last, was since the, since the team's been a thing. Like Ichiro Cano Hernandez, like there's Felix Hernandez, it's Robinson Cano, and Ichiro, all Mariners, and and all made their names as Mariners. So, which by the way, Felix Hernandez is up for the Hall of Fame ballot next year. Should definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Ichiro Cano Hernandez, like I'm looking forward to seeing how this dude develops. He's going to be with Alfredo Duno though. Like Alfredo Duno was the Reds' big time get last year, and he's a catcher. But we're not going to even really hear much about him for another two or three years, let alone what his timetable is for the major leagues. These, these kids take a while when they come into professional baseball at the age of 18. All right. There's so much conversations going on in this chat, you guys. I'm going to have to come back and read all of it again after we're done because it's hard to keep up with. You guys are – guys, the chat gets better and better every week, Jeff, like. The just there's there's so much smart baseball talk in here mixed in with some some pretty good sense of humor from time to time. Some of it I can't put on the screen. Some of it I can. Um, but it's it's really good that uh, there's so much banter back and forth. It's why these shows are so great. It's why I love the Discord server. Everybody getting to talk baseball with each other. Uh, speaking of the Discord server, guys, um, I know I haven't been there in a while. This part of the off season. I've uh, been super busy, but I jumped back in yesterday, uh, talked for a little bit. going to be doing that more as we lead into spring. And then once spring starts, Jeff and I are going to be there all the time. Get in there, uh, have some baseball chat with us. There is a there is a live room, like a video feature in there that we haven't used yet, Jeff. But I think what I would like to do during spring training is set a couple times where we hang out in there and watch the games together. So Maybe look for that. Maybe when the games are on TV or something yeah. like that. Like I know not yeah, all of them are, but some of them yeah, look for that to be coming, guys. We're going to do something like that. If that's something you think you'd be interested in, uh, drop it in the comments or uh, hit us up on X. Let us know you'd be interested in that, and we'll put something together. Uh, I do have one, one I want to throw up here because uh, Brian makes an interesting point. And, Brian, I was actually listening to this segment as well. So, Charlie Goldsmith <laughs> today on ESPN. He said on ESPN 1530, he said, no one on the team projects out as a 30-plus homer guy, but I think we have several that could thoughts and i'm with you like when i heard that segment when i heard charlie say that there's two reasons for this number one the projection systems like we said don't project really they don't really project progression they they take what a player has done they look at similar players and how they have you know evolved in their careers at that point so like they'll go back and they'll look at guys like ronald acuna and things like that and what did their second years look like and all this other stuff and they try to kind of average that out and then put it on to ces or put it on to ellie and say this is what i think it's going to look like but i'm totally with them i think ces and ellie are clear 
30 plus home run guys. They've got the talent to do so. Candelario, not necessarily sure. I kind of think he's going to hit like 25, maybe 23 homers this year. Um, but he did have that profile. We talked about that, that, you know, he's a line drive hitter like Nick Castellanos was. And when you take his hit map and you project it over Great American Ballpark as opposed to Nationals Park or Wrigley, then he has more homers than what just what he did last year. So, Maybe he catches close to 30, but I still think it's about 25. But I definitely think the Reds have at least two 30-plus homer guys. What do you think? Yeah, so Candelario hit the most home runs of his career last year, and that was 22. Uh, And that's part-time playing at Wrigley, part-time at Nationals Park. Um, The previous career high before that was 19 in Detroit. So take that into consideration because it's hard to hit home runs in Detroit. So could he get to 30? He could get to 30. Will he get to 30? I think he'll just miss it. 26, 27, 28. I think I don't believe he'll crack 30. I think absolutely Ellie and CES both have the potential to hit more than 30 home runs. I think Spencer steer could flirt with 30, uh, given the right opportunity. Although again, the projection showed him at 19, which is just ignorant, but I do think he could get to 30. Um, there will be, there will be at least one guy to hit 30 home runs on this team in 2024. You know, we're talking about realistic predictions, right? That's a realistic prediction. One of these guys will crack 30. I'm not sure which one will get there first, but one of them will. Uh, And then moving forward into 2025 and beyond, there'll be a couple that have the potential to go 30 home runs every year. But, um, you know, I think like everything else on these projections, uh, everything has been undervalued. Everything has been dimmed and everything is going to be better than what the projections say. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. What about Tyler Stevenson? Stop it. And you know, I see you guys on X and in the comments still. <laughs> oh, hang on. Earthquake. Got a little excited there. Oh, no. The earth is actually quaking. Everything okay? Yeah, uh, I heard some stuff fall. I needed to go make sure. Yeah, there's like a book behind you that fell and stuff. That's crazy. I heard some stuff fall. I had to go make sure there wasn't like water pouring out of stuff. But we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. A little little, uh, Pele action. Uh, Hawaiian volcano goddess Pele uh, clearly had some plans for us today. So. Yeah, Greg, Greg gets the comment of the show right there. Yeah. I will do anything to avoid talking about my forty home run prediction. No, um, Tyler, I, I I got a little excited last year in predicting Tyler Stevenson's forty home runs. Uh, clearly missed the mark on that one. 
I do think he can be in that 20 group though. I think that's not an unrealistic projection. I think he can be in that group of 20. Uh, I think we'll see him catch a lot of games and hopefully he can uh, get closer to 40 than he did. <laughs> that, man, I'm like, I'm. Shit. All right. So let, let's, let's um. talk about the earthquake. Let's talk about the earthquake for a second. So guys, I do live on the big Island. Um, I still have my earphones in when I was running around the house. So um, I heard Jeff telling you guys, I am in Hawaii, not a shtick. I, I am here. I live on the big Island. Uh, the earthquakes come from Kilauea volcano, which is on the other side of the Island. Uh, Mauna Loa, uh, less activity, but also has some activity also far from me. Um, I'm in a lava safe zone. So uh, the trade-off of that is, though, you still feel the earthquakes. So generally, we get little earthquakes throughout the day all the time that don't do that. Um, that was a good one. That was probably a five on the Richter scale. Uh, I'll look it up later and see. But, yeah. you know, knocks things off shelves. No big deal. Uh, nothing's broken. We're good. That's they, crazy, every man. day, Mr. E, their earthquakes are every day from the volcano. Just not like that. The, those big ones like that are few and far between. Um, also causing them is actually the island settling on the ocean floor. And sometimes we get mm. earthquakes from that as well. So, cause the weight is always changing because the volcanoes are always pumping out lava. So it, uh, it's a thing. It's the price of living in paradise and we roll with it, but um, we're good. And here I thought the most natural phenomenon of the day was I walked outside in flip-flops and actually enjoyed it. Uh, man, it's uh, crazy here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. You it's, get this, uh, the Aloha Live edition. Make sure you always join right? us here on Friday afternoon. Maybe there'll be another. Let's get, uh, no, let's get a couple more. Go. Let's get a couple more, Jeff. We're blown past the hour mark um, with my earthquake delay included. So let's do a few more. Um, uh, USGS says it was a three. That was not a three that will get revised up. The initial numbers are almost always lower than where they land. So let's see where that moves. Uh, I think it was a five. So probably split the difference and it'll end up being a four. Let's see, Jeff. Sorry. I didn't have a chance. <laughs> Here we go. GABP is going to be quaking like that when the Reds win the division that you can write down. I, I, I yeah. tell you what the, the stadium you know, if the stadium on Ellie's uh, debut is any indication of what is possible in that ballpark, um, you know, I also recall what it felt like in that building when Todd Frazier won the home run derby. And, you know, I was in the upper deck that day. I hardly ever go up there anymore, but I was up there that day and it was definitely an earthquake from everybody jumping up and down. Between Todd Frazier and then um, Clinchmas back in 2010. Yeah. That's uh we need to add some more good moments. Like there were some good moments last year, but they were not like generational moments in the stadium's history. We need to add those this year. I think they're coming. All right. Let's talk about this for a second. Cause I wonder your thoughts, Jeff, Michael Blackman asks, won't all of these low predictions put chips on the player's shoulders? Yeah, I think it will. And maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. We've heard from David Bell. And we've heard David Bell say that, that his job is to get these guys to not focus on the press, but to focus on the baseball and focus on their jobs and focus on the task before them and move forward and get better. Um, I think they're all hearing this press. I think they're all, you know, bulletin board material, right? We talk about that in football a lot, but I, I think it matters in baseball as well. I think these guys are hearing all this noise and they are most definitely going to be motivated to, you know, basically shut these people up. Yeah, no, and, and I think that 
There's there's an element of believing their own press that I think happened late last year, and I could kind of see that on top of fatigue as to a factor as why they didn't end up making the playoffs because you know the national media started to pick up some things about the Reds last year where they were expecting to just be able to completely ignore the Reds, and then you had Ellie and yeah, it's shaking a little bit again. I'm okay. Ellie and, <laughs> and and all these guys just absolutely grab the attention of the national media. So now they're looking at all these guys and they're like, well, they grabbed our attention and then they didn't make the playoffs. So they must not be that good. So, all right, cool. They're not a playoff team anymore. And now they can look at that and I say, all right, national media doesn't believe in us. Let's do it. Cause they should. And, and I haven't seen, and, and maybe you've seen this, I don't know, but I haven't seen a national broadcast schedule, like an ESPN schedule or a TBS schedule or something like that. They should be on some of those games this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like it can't all be Yankees, Red Sox. Like God, they don't play each other 500 times a year. Although it seems no, they're, they're fun and exciting. I don't think the national broadcast schedule was out just yet, but even last year they had several Apple games on Fridays. Yep. They had, sure. they had a couple of the Peacock, uh, four o'clock in the yeah, day morning, morning in Hawaii yeah. games that I never watched. Um, I just <laughs> couldn't do it. And then I, I, I don't remember them being on maybe, but one of the national game of the week, Saturday, whatever, Sunday. I don't, I don't think remember. they were ever on Sunday night baseball. Not that I remember. So, so I think you're right. I think this year this team has been hyped enough that they will get some play on the national schedule, which I don't like. I don't, you know what? I mean, I know it's great for the team to be exposed and, and get that national you know presence that they deserve, but I don't like it because the broadcasters don't know the team. Uh, they say things that aren't true, basically, and not that they're lying about them. They just get bad intel. Um, I would much prefer to have uh, Sadak and Welsh or Sadak and Larkin do the games. I think, you know, ESPN did a thing a lot of years ago where they had the team's everyday broadcasters do guest stints in the booth through all throughout the season. Mm. And that was much better coverage um, for baseball. I think that's how it should work. Rather than these national guys picking up new broadcasters to cover a game, the national game should bring along the home team's broadcasters. I don't care if it's, if it's, uh, you know, I got to listen to whoever from, you know, Colorado call the game. He's at least going to know his team and, and prepares better to talk about the visiting team, I think, than the national guys that are only going to see those two teams once. So I would rather it was done that way. I think it's interesting because of the major professional sports here in America, the most regionalized sport is baseball. And I think a big reason for that is the the hometown broadcast team. It's funny because I remember last year that was a very is a kind of a pain point for our Cubs guys for Locked On Cubs is that they hired Boog Shambi and Boog Shambi treated the broadcast like it was a national broadcast and he tried to be impartial about the Cubs and who they were playing and stuff like that and they're like, no, I want you to be a homer. I want you to love this team. I want you to tell me why this team is, is really, really good and things like that. And I think that we are blessed to have those kind of dudes as broadcasters, but I do think that that, you know, really feeds into the regionality of baseball where, you know, us Reds fans might have some knowledge of say like the Mariners or the Diamondbacks. Like when the Diamondbacks went to the world series, we knew about Corbin Carroll, but we didn't know about their bullpen. Their bullpen was fantastic. 
I love this. And this is where we're going to wrap it up for the day. Jeff John says national broadcasters all thought Frazier being from Tom's rivers was the news they discovered. And we heard about it 300 times. And that is why a former Reds broadcaster told you every single time they could that, that what? Kyle Schwarber's from Middletown. There you go. That <laughs> is why. Say between. That, was a, that was a national broadcast dude. Between between ESPN saying that Todd Frazier's from Tom's River and uh, Tom saying that Kyle Schwarber's from Middletown. I mean, sometimes you think that's all that matters about that. And, and hey, to close this up, uh, Carrie Reinhardt checks in. She says 6.3 three hours ago in Pahala. Just check six points. Yeah, so that side of the island, Pahala, Nalehu is over there. Um, uh, yeah, that's what it felt like. <laughs> crazy. Let's man. not have any and more earthquakes while we're alive. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> and on that earth-shattering news, it's time to end. Thanks, everybody, so much for checking out today's Locked On Reds. Aloha, live edition of the podcast. A little bit more aloha than normal, uh, Steve. And when we're talking about next week, we got Ty Floyd on the podcast on Monday. Steve got the chance to sit down with the Reds prospect and talk about his journey through baseball to get to this point. You're not going to want to miss that. The best way to not miss that is to subscribe. We got so much more coming for you as we edge closer next Wednesday to pitchers and catchers reporting. It's going to be so much fun. So make sure you keep it with us every single day. Why is that, Steve? Because we are moving, we are shaking, and we're keeping you locked on reds every single day. Shake, rattle, and roll. Oh, my. <laughs> hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.